You're listening to The Omni Show. Get to know the people and stories behind the Omni Group's award-winning productivity apps for Mac and iOS. Music. I'm your host, Brent Simmons. In the studio with me today is Terry Stearns, executive chef. Say hello, Terry. Hello, Terry. Thank you. So we're interviewing Terry in the last minutes of his last days of 19 years at the Omni Group. That's, that's a long time. We have employees who are just barely over 19 years old, it seems like. <laughs> yeah. You've been here a while. Um, yeah, since 1999. 1999. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that was a whole different century. Millennia. <laughs> wow. Uh, let's talk about the early days. So when you started here, the company must have been seven-ish people and... You know, what was it like cooking then as opposed to now? Yeah, it was it was more like being a personal chef for a small group of people. And um, yeah, it was, it was definitely different than it was a, a small house over in the university district. And um, we only did dinners and it would all be put out like at like 630 at night. Mm. And uh, when I started, I tried to, I'd just been out of regular restaurants. So I was trying to be fancy and stuff like that, but realized that they kind of want more just uh, food that isn't going to scare you, that you can eat every day and you're going to be happy. <laughs> right. And some, you know, the mac and cheese and the hot dogs or tater tots and all so, of that. Fewer snails. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, throw in some other nicer things on occasion. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was the friends and family, you know, and everybody actually ate at Omni usually then too as well. Oh, that's cool. Which is different now because a lot of people take the food home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for lunch, we all eat together. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah. Um, when did lunches start? I think they started like a month in or something. Oh, okay. I When I originally started working, uh, I was talking to Will Shipley who had hired me in about the things. And I said, well, I would really prefer to work four days a week. And he said, well... Four days a week would be fine, but I would have to throw in two lunches because <laughs> they hadn't really done that. And most people came in later than that anyways and worked mm-hmm. later at night. The hours weren't strict or anything. It was kind of people just doing their thing and gaming and such. And so, yeah, we did the lunches, and then that was really successful. So we kept adding lunches in until we had the full week together. Mm-hmm. One of the first things that happened to me when I started working here Notice that the food was great. I just really liked lunch every single day, and I still do after almost four years. But one of the first things uh, someone said to me, um, well, beware the Terry 10. And what is that? That is that you put 10 pounds on because the food's so good. And I think I made it a Terry 20, but <laughs> I hope you take that as a compliment rather than a... Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's definitely that the people want to eat the food. I Sometimes I feel a little guilty when I'm like, oh, maybe I should be making things that are... Less to make you put that kind of weight on. But I think it's, you know, the thing is, is that with an endless buffet of food, it's, sometimes it's hard when it's really good. You yeah, just, right. Yeah. You just want to eat a lot. And so I'm, I never, I always take it as a positive thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, is meant, it is meant that way yeah. for sure. Yeah. I never in my life had a corn dog before coming here. <laughs> now I'm like, corn dogs, those are good. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not necessarily the corn dog person or whatever. Uh-huh. Those guys usually do all that, you know, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I never really got the corn dog, but but everybody here, it's like one of the happiest days. And you yeah, can always right. tell at lunch like what meals people like because they'll mm-hmm. all go through the line and sit down, and then it'll be quiet for about seven minutes. Uh, and that means that the food is really good. Right. <laughs> so that's, that's a skill you've developed then is like reading the room, partly by listening to the room. Yeah, and I, we used to kid too we, when uh, – 
OmniGraph Sketcher was new and everything, and people mm-hmm. were excited by that. We were like, we're going to graft out like all of the different responses that people <laughs> had on depending sure. on what happened, and it's yeah. just. Uh, but yeah, we did. It's it, a lot of it's reading the room and trying to like create a good environment for people, possibly you know the morale, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. especially when it's like around a deadline and people are stressed out. It's like they want something that's going to make them feel good. Oh sure, yeah, and that's you know that's how we do it. <laughs> I've had days where literally like the pancakes that day saved my day because there was a lot of work to do and it was stressful, but like it's pancakes day. Everything is happy. Yeah. That was a big thing too, was the breakfast for lunch. Oh yeah. And until recently we did it every Wednesday Mm -hmm. and I didn't know if when I stopped it, if I would, you know, have a revolt because everybody loves the, (laughs) the breakfast Wednesdays, but you know, now we do it every once in a while and it's kind of more special, but, yeah, yeah, but I think the big thing is bacon, you know, Omni runs on bacon. (laughs) (laughs) That reminds me of a story I heard about the Nisqually earthquake and some bacon that needed saving. Oh, yeah. So this would have been in 2001. Uh, I heard you mention that earlier. Yeah, I think that that was... Yeah, we were in the Blakely building, and I was in early because lunch, I think, at that point in time was like at 1.30. And it was just me in the building, and I think Wim was upstairs, and that was it. The kitchen was in a, like, on stilts, kind of a carport over the bottom part of it, and very flimsy. I know that you're supposed to stay in the doorways or whatever, but I was like... I'm out of here, and I ran out the front door, and uh, it locked behind me. And uh, luckily, Wim of came course. down and let me back in, and I didn't burn the bacon. <laughs> I think it was BLTs that day, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the bacon was perfect. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, but it, was, and that, it was different then, too, because that was like when we were in the Blakely building, just a very, very small kitchen with a home electric range, too. So oh, was, wow. So that was all, everything was a little tricky back then, but mm-hmm. it seemed to work out, so... Jane mentioned that you don't uh, refer to recipes, well, maybe you refer to them, but not necessarily strictly, that, that your style is kind of improvisational to a degree in the kitchen. Yeah, I would say that, you know, whatever, I, I, I have a background in whatever, I've been playing music for a long time, and I, when I was a kid, I played a lot of jazz, so, you know, I would say it's like that, it's like a, on a theme, or you standard, and then you chicken parmesan or whatever, and try to make it kind of your own, and whatever's fresh at that point in time or whatever I'm just feeling, or maybe I'll get like some kind of wild idea in my head of how to like make it a little bit different and better, mm. you know? And I, I like to do that. And I, I try to encourage that in the whole staff too, which is mm, kind of cool. hard because a lot of people, it is very strictly recipes and they follow a, mm. a very strict formula and, and in baking, that's definitely necessary, but mm. in foods and sauces. And, that, and that's just how I came up of working with guys in in restaurants on the east coast when i was a kid they all were kind of like that too recipes are a reference to work from and then you you know create and make what your own thing is Mm, okay and also you know i was out on the east side for like seven years working as a sous chef at the yarra bay grill and like there i was the guy that would write all the specials and everything like that so it's kind of it's just my general thing of how i do it and i have I like to also, because I can use up stuff, you know, like that people, oh, sure, other yeah. people would just throw away or whatever. And I'm like, well, there's something good that can come out of that mm-hmm. as well. Right, yeah. you know? Maybe this and that. Didn't yeah. think of that, but it works. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. But yeah, that's how I do it. <laughs> and at the end, you still don't scare people. I mean, everything's delicious. Yeah. I mean, you definitely, there are some times that recently, I think in like the last whatever, six, seven years or whatever, I feel like I have been consistent, but, you know, as a, a person that's cooked for a long time, it feels like certain times you go through a situation where you're 
food sometimes gets off or whatever. Mm. But now even when I'm off, I feel like I'm pretty close to the center of whatever it is. And it's weird, too. I can, like, make something. I can do it differently, not even do the order of operation the same. Mm. And just because I'm doing it and I know where I want to go with it, it always comes out pretty similar, so, mm. yeah. uh, which interesting. is interesting, you know, yeah. over time. You know. So how did you get your start in the, in the chefing business? Um, well, I, I grew up in uh, Killington, Vermont, which is a uh, ski area town. And uh, my mom worked at a hotel, and they needed somebody to uh, be a – bellhop so i started doing that for a while i would carry all the luggage on fridays and sundays and help the chambermaids strip the beds and stuff and then one day Mm -hmm. the dishwasher didn't come in and they pulled me in there and then they you know enticed me to keep working in there and just little by little i did dishwashing and uh, breakfast cooking and pantry and and line cooking until i was you know i I became a sous chef basically in there off and on between going to college and high school you know oh okay just very organic just started it yeah i just, just i was like i think i was kind of a natural i guess is mm-hmm. the thing and i think that's probably the improvisational period of it all too i mean mm. i guess part of that goes back to like when i was a kid with my grandmother she would let me like cook in her kitchen mm. and i could do whatever i wanted and i would just throw all kinds of crazy stuff together and the rule was i could do whatever i wanted as long as i would eat it at the end so, <laughs> and sometimes that's that fair, wasn't yeah. so good but <laughs> but luckily now i've had enough trial and error then right. <laughs> that's a great way to learn though i, I love that yeah you can do whatever you want you have to eat it <laughs> you learn what works that way yeah. yeah so back to the early days um andrew abernathy uh, wrote me men- mentioning that Back at the Blakely building, you would actually grill outside sometimes, and then it was right by the Burke Gilman Trail, apparently. So bikers and people walking by would be all envious of mm-hmm. the food. And I just love that image. I think that's great. Yeah, it was it was kind of interesting there because the, the building had like um, – it was on a street behind like the University Village, and then the Burke Gilman ran right against the parking lot in the, mm. in the back area. And so lunchtime, those uh, the guys that worked there at the time would play hacky sack down there and everything, and then eventually – Will Shipley, he was like, kind of, I dealt with him mostly at that period in time. And I was like, I'd like to grill stuff. So he went to uh, Sutter Home and Hearth and bought this really cool, fancy grill that we could have outside. Sounds uh, like Will. And (laughs) Liz was just telling me today that she remembers how that, like, when I would start it up, there would just be a whole bunch of smoke coming up in front of the windows where they all worked. (laughs) But yeah, it would definitely, we'd get steaks and chicken or whatever on there. And then Mm. people on the Burke Gilman that were like exercising were, some were (laughs) a little put off and some people were, hey, can we join or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. But it was, it was fun for me too, because I could get outside and do stuff in the middle of the day. And it was also like people from the Omni staff would come down and hang out and we would all talk and cut it up and stuff like yeah, that, you know, cool. and it was, it was kind of a nice, it built a lot of community, you know. Mm-hmm. So you've seen a lot of growth and a lot of change and a lot of stuff over the years you've been here. <laughs> 19 years, yeah. I mean, when you started, Steve Jobs had come back to Apple, but it hadn't been long, I imagine. Yeah, like our, when, I, the, when I first got to the... Omni Group, uh, the first computer that we had in the kitchen was a Next. And and then uh, after that, it was shortly those, uh, the bubble, whatever, the IMAX with oh, the, yeah. the colorful yeah. ones, you know, we mm-hmm. got those and everything. But when I first got here, they were working with other companies and mm-hmm. AT&T or whatever. I'm not, I can't remember exactly who they were with. And so they did a lot of that and everything. And then at one point they decided to start working on all of the products that we have now. And 
And uh, we, we would get all of the products like the, the iPod and the iPhone and all the different things would be coming through and we get to oh, sure, play yeah. with them and stuff and kind of see how that, that stuff developed. And then once the uh, app started to, you know, take off here, you know, it was, it was, it was pretty exciting, you know, mm. for the most part, especially with like the iPhone because everybody, you know, it was like new oh, adventures yeah. and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, the iPhone just must have seen to Omni. I wasn't here yet, but like, wow, we can finally put this code that we've been, or at least the kind of code that we've been writing for so many years, finally on this giant mass market device. And had yeah. to have been hugely exciting. Yeah, I think there's, you know, people are definitely really fever. You know, it was like, it was, it was, it was good. Everybody was really enjoying themselves. And it was, it just seemed like there was just a lot of promise and a lot of places to go mm-hmm. back then. And I went to the one Mac world where the iPhone was, um, Oh, yeah. they, they unveiled it with these guys because they let me go one time just to see what it was about. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I just remember the people standing around the under the glass, the oh, iPhone yeah. spinning and everybody just staring in awe, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was there. I saw that too. Yeah, that, that was quite the moment. I remember looking at it and thinking, everybody in this giant room is going to have one. And like around the world, people are going to have one. But for right now, there's only this one that we can look at. Yeah, that was interesting. It was it was like 10 deep sometimes of people yeah, right. doing that. And then I, I remember like a, I can't remember, is that the second version? Did, did the first one had a, cam, had a camera, right? Did it? I don't know. I can't remember. I think it did. It, yeah, yeah, probably. But, I remember, one, but, but yeah. I remember being yeah. at the Paramount at a Flaming Lips show. And the first time that I saw that everybody in the crowd was Mm. using their phones to take pictures of, of everything and, and oh, different yeah, things right. like that. So it's it's kind of interesting how that all kind of transpired. And when we were over in Blakely, we were right behind the Apple store open there. So we were like in walking distance. So that was kind of cool too, because we could walk down and get our iPhone, get in line. And get oh the yeah, perfect. Yeah. There. <laughs> so we brought down a bunch of pizzas and stuff like that and kind of get the party atmosphere going. <laughs> <laughs> so you're moving on, you're moving to, Oregon, what what's this all about? Um, I'm moving to Astoria, Oregon, which is at the mouth of the Columbia, and it's uh, about 20 minutes from the the beach there and everything. And uh, hmm. uh, just uh, myself and Deborah, who's my partner, we lost our lease, and we're like getting into that thing in Seattle where the rents are just moving up and up and up, and wanted to get wanted to get off the you know the, the, that cycle for a bit and uh, do try something else as I'm, I'm 53. So I figured if I don't start doing something now, then, you know, hmm. of something different just to try some stuff. And then her daughter just graduated. So it was time that we could do that. And we looked around the Northwest at places, you know, close by and far away. And Astoria was the one that kind of spoke to us. We, and then we serendipitously met a surfer real estate agent in Gearhart and we started looking at properties, and we found the one that we settled on, and we we like it down there. It's pretty, yeah, it's a pretty cool spot. I haven't been, but I hear it's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been going to the Oregon coast for about. Um, I've been out here for twenty seven years, I think, and mm-hmm. and I've been going down there for twenty four, so, mm-hmm. and I, I just love it. Yeah, I keep meaning to go. I've been out here since the mid eighties. I've yet to see the Oregon <laughs> coast. Flown over it, <laughs> but yeah, people say it's it's awesome. Do you follow baseball at all? Have you followed baseball? Uh, I don't as much now, but I, I used to when I was a kid right. and stuff. So, so maybe you're familiar with that. With a, a baseball player may have a few different teams throughout his career. Right. But when he enters the Hall of Fame, he'll be wearing the uniform of one specific team. Like the one wherever he was lo- the longest, usually, right. or wherever he did his best work. 
So I'm saying when you enter the Chef's Hall of Fame, you'll be wearing an Omni Group T-shirt. I would imagine so. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, this is the thing I've done the longest in my life, you know, 19 years. I mean, I'm, yeah, I mean, I think the longest I worked in any other place is, you know, like seven years or something. And mm-hmm. the the hotel where I, you know, came up, I guess, would get an honorable mention because I, sure. I worked there off and on from when I was a kid and a little bit as an adult. And that's kind of where I grew up. So I'm sure that's the Summit Lodge in Killington, Vermont or whatever, you know, so. <laughs> And it's still there. But, oh, cool. yeah, I mean, Omni is definitely the place that I've spent the most time. And, and you know, it was it was a home for me, you know. It was like – because the restaurant industry, it's it's a difficult place to be. And this is a, a little bit better setup for most people, you know. The, yeah. The not as much grind, you know. Yeah, and, and feeding the same people every day, getting to know them, not yeah. having to work Saturday nights and – stuff yeah. yeah well i thought in the beginning because it was you know just the same people all the time i figured that the job would last maybe like two years and then everybody would get sick of me and then or i get <laughs> sick of them but it never really happened so yeah <laughs> you know as the company's grown too it's just been waves and waves of the, all the people that seem to gravitate towards omni are pretty good people you know yeah and, seems and, like, it's, yeah. and so that's that's really nice too you mm-hmm. know makes it a lot easier to do your job when you like the people. <laughs> yeah, right, for sure. You want to feed these people. Yeah. So uh, I expect I'm going to miss your taste in music from the kitchen. I'm betting that some of the songs I really like hearing were your choices. But it reminds me that you are also a musician. That's true. Tell me about that. Well, I've been playing music off and on since I was like, uh, I guess like six years old, uh, pots and pans at first, and then... Uh, mm guitars and uh that came home with my grandfather from like yard sales and stuff like that and old beat up pianos and and then eventually when i was in school i played horns i played trumpet and trombone and baritone and tuba and different things and then i eventually became a bass player and um in jazz and stuff so i enjoyed that and then i kind of didn't do anything for that for a while but then later like once i moved to um Seattle. I moved here like in the early grunge days and everything, but I wasn't really interested in grunge music all that much. Hmm. I was interested in a lot of other things. And so I played in all kinds of different bands from like rock bands, folk rock bands and um, did solo stuff and, and also played in some reggae and Indonesian bands and African bands and oh, whatever wow. that uh, world music. Yeah. Anything yeah. that, you know, that I was, you know, interested in doing. I just love music and I've always been collecting music. Like I used to have a huge record collection and mm. um and i did i was a dj like in college on the on the radio station oh, cool. so I, I i like a lot of different music but it's got to kind of resonate with me that's something that like moves me on a certain level you know mm-hmm. and but it's all different genres i'm not really specific i don't know if i really care for as much of modern pop music because it just doesn't move me quite yeah. as much but you know and that's a common story right people in the I'm 50s, probably just don't old. keep up yeah, with pop music, and it just doesn't sound that great. But everything else is wonderful. Yeah, yeah well, I just think that the modern modern music, too, with the production on it, there's just not enough air in it. Everything's compressed, and all the mm-hmm. air is sucked out of it. And it's like, so it doesn't really seem like it's happening in a time and in a space, you I'm know, sure. like that, yeah. And um, which is fine. You know, I've, I've definitely spent a lot of time working with uh, Dawes and Ableton Live and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy, that's fun to do, but it's like, at the same time, I kind of like that whole thing of like music, musicians working together and that, and how the, 
tones blend in the air and stuff mm-hmm. like that and how the harmonics work, you know, so, mm-hmm. through good microphones and such. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and frankly, I still like to be able to picture the music I'm listening to. I like to be able to picture them in a up on stage, like in a bar or something. You yeah. Know? And just like some intimate setting that's, that, that's real. And I like to imagine, you know, this thing could actually be, you know, performed that way. I agree. (laughs) Speaking of performing, um, since you're a musician and we do have a guitar around here somewhere, I wonder if you might play us a song. Um, The old saying is, you know, leave them with a song, right? So so, you can do that. All right. Well, I guess we'll try that. We'll see what's going on. All right. Teach him to trust me like a brother Someday we'll saddle up and ride And we're gonna ride We're gonna ride Ride like a one-eyed jack down With the devil close behind
Lovely. Thank you so much. So you're going to find a new band, start a new band, I hope, when you're down in Oregon? I hope so, yeah. yeah. I, I did recently, when I was walking around down there at night, I met a guy that was a pedal steel player. And usually up here I've been playing with a woman that plays lap steel and harmonizes mm-hmm. and stuff. It's kind of missing her on the song because there's <laughs> like parts that she does and I'm like, oh, what do I do there? But um, yeah, I, I certainly hope so because I enjoy music, you know, and I've definitely for years in Seattle, not recently, but I had bands that were successful and did mm-hmm. things. So, and I, I enjoy the, the performance part of it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Well, it sounds like your your life in Astoria is starting off already. If you're already, <laughs> already, already meeting a steel guitar player. <laughs> yeah. Sounds so. good. Well, I think we'll uh, we'll close it here. Thank you, Terry. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I'd also like to thank our intrepid producer, Mark Bosco. <laughs> Say hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. And especially, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you. Music. Music.